Gosh, that was a sad song. But it doesn't, it hits home though. There are so many of us in this room today who so connect with the sentiments. And uh, I'm so thankful that uh, the truth of the song that we all sang as a congregation before that about our worth and how God loves and accepts us is the voice that's available to us if we'll just hear it instead of all these other voices. Okay, that was free. (laughs) I'll cut off the end of my teaching because I said that at the beginning. One of the most rewarding parts of the pastorate to me is conducting funerals. I, uh, I take the responsibility of walking with families through that hard experience very seriously. And that's why what happened to me this week uh, really did shake me. I was pulling out of the parking lot of uh, Battlefield Venue here Tuesday after our staff meeting. It was 10 till 11. And I got a call from the director of a local funeral home. And the director said, Philip, are you on your way? And I said, on my way where? And she said, you have a service at 11 o'clock. So there were three realities that I was facing. First reality, I was not dressed for a funeral. I had on pink pants and a blue striped shirt and uh, pink or blue topsiders. The second reality, I was at least 15 minutes, that's if I hit all the green lights from the funeral home. The third reality is I had not prepared one thing for that funeral. And the fourth reality is I absolutely forgot about it. So I drove as fast and as safely as I possibly could. I did, I admit, ran two red lights after looking always for cops. On my way, I frantically called Denise, and she went home from an appointment that she was on in her design world and found the notebook that I, on which I take notes when I meet with a family. At least I'd at least done that. Met with the family, took notes and everything about the deceased. And uh, she got her phone and took pictures of the three pages of notes and texted those to me. I arrived at the funeral home at uh, 11.03, and I walked into the chapel. The funeral director played the first song, and while they were playing that first song, I took my place in the seat behind the podium, and I just breathed, just breathed. And I got my phone and put it on the podium when it was time for the message, and I had those pages of notes on my phone. And I just talked from my heart. And I hope I said something that was comforting to the family. Well, I over-apologized to the funeral director and to every staff member of the funeral home and uh, just everybody could find except for the family. I didn't apologize to them. I was hoping they wouldn't know. I'm sure they wondered why the pastor had on top siders and pink pants that day. 
Later in the day, I texted the director of the funeral home. I said, thank you for your grace with me today. I'm still in shock that it happened. It won't happen again, I hope. She texted back, you are great as always. We all forget and fail to put things on our calendars. Yeah. (laughs) Grace, redemption, second chances. F. Scott Fitzgerald, the author, says, never confuse a single defeat with a final defeat. Hey, niece, while I flip this, I forgot my little pill. Do you want to throw it to me or do you want to bring it? See, I forgot that too. Denise, when I told her about this, she said, Philip, how do you think you're going to know when it's time to resign? <laughs> to retire. I said, maybe here's your sign. Yeah, I'm not that far. I'm afraid from that. Thank you, Nisi. Jeffrey Fry in his book, Distilled Thoughts, says that is what life is about. We don't get redos, but we do get second chances. And the Duke says every man deserves a second chance, but keep an eye on him. (laughs) And then there's this quote from Ted Lasso. I hope that either all of us or none of us are judged by the actions of our weakest moments, but rather by the strength we show when and if we're given a second chance. Here's the story behind that quote. The story centers on Nate. Nate was the equipment manager for the soccer team, for the football team there that Ted Lasso was the head coach. And uh, Nate story is so very moving. He, rise, he rises from the, being the equipment manager to becoming an assistant coach. But then there's a series of events, and things happen to him. Even Ted Lasso, at some point, is the source of uh, Nate's pain. And uh, that comes out as you watch the series. And uh, Nate turns around and betrays Ted... He betrays the team, and Nate becomes the head coach of uh, Richmond's, the team that Ted Lasso coaches, greatest rival. And the biggest act of rebellion that Nate uh, gives to that team is that he snuck into the locker room of, of Richmond's soccer team, and he tore down the believe sign that was over the door and ripped it in half and put the two pieces on uh, Ted Lasso's desk. Well, Nate soon realizes that he messed up. And the rest of the series seems to be about his redemption. He realizes he messes up and he earns the forgiveness of the Richmond team. He gets the forgiveness of Ted Lasso. And finally, he gets the forgiveness of Coach Beard, the assistant coach, For some reason, Beard has a harder time forgiving Nate than the rest of the team and a harder time than even Ted Lasso has. In one of the scenes before the one I'm going to show you in just a second, the coaches watch a video that captured Nate sneaking into the locker room and tearing down the belief sign. And they all saw that part, but they didn't see this part that Coach Lasso wants to keep for the viewing of Coach Beard only. And here's the scene. 
that uh, Ted Lasso shows only Coach Beard of that event. Take a look. We can all read lips, can't we? <laughs> so Coach Beard knows what he needs to do. This next scene shows him doing it. Take a look. Let that soak in. Forgiven people forgive people. Maybe that's what Paul had in mind when he said, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ. God forgave you. I wonder if we are, are all a beard trying to forgive a Nate. Or maybe we're Nate looking for forgiveness. The weakest moments, according to Ted Lasso, should not be the determinant of judgment. Weakness is not a static state. It's a transitional period, one from which we can learn. You know, maybe one's weakest moment is not an indication of their character. Maybe it's just a testament of their humanity. The old saying is, to err is human. It's a part of our humanity. But to, give, but to forgive is divine. It is my understanding, and I'm still trying to understand it and embrace it, that in the incarnation that we celebrate at Christmas, we see also the blend in our own lives of the human and the divine. Yes, you are fully human, but you have within you the divine. So yes, as a human, as a human, I err. But there is divinity within me too. There is light within me. And that light gives me the, not just the power, but the desire sometimes even to forgive. So have you done something that you regret, something about which you would like to have a second chance? My Miley Cyrus, can you think about what her regret might be? Go back a few years. I could not find a clean picture of the actual video that she recorded of the uh, song Wrecking Ball. That was an iconic music video, one that we will never forget, those of us in the pop music world. In an interview on the Zach Sang show, Miley Cyrus said, Swinging around naked on a wrecking ball lives forever. I'm never living that down. I will always be the naked girl on a wrecking ball. My worst nightmare is that being played at my funeral. <laughs> I heard an interview of Paul McCartney back in 2021 that was taken at the South Bank Center in London and he was asked about his biggest regret if he could have a do-over if he could have a second chance and he said yes he would like to have a do-over a second chance to tell John Lennon how much he loved him Paul said this as 16-year-old and 17-year-old Liverpool kids, you can never say that 
It just wasn't done. So I never did really just say, John, I love you, man. He went on to say, with bromances now being more widely accepted, he has finally been able to embrace the fact that he loved John Lennon immensely. And he just wishes he could have the opportunity to tell John that. Those of you who have said goodbye to someone at a funeral home or in a chapel, have you ever thought about, gosh, I'd love to have a second chance to tell them something. I don't understand the afterlife. I just know that there is one. I really believe that. And I think if I talk to dad or talk to mom, I think they'll hear me. And so I think I have a second chance. No, it's not as good as if they were physically in front of me. But I encourage you to take that chance. Senator Fetterman says this, one of the things I believe in most strongly is the power of a second chance. So does Jesus. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had arisen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? And when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was really large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there's the place they laid him. But, the messenger said, go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. What's the significance of and Peter? Two words. Our lives are filled with meaning just from two words. I'm sorry. I do. Or I don't. Two words. And Peter. Why was there the highlight of and Peter? Luke's account. Just a few days before, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, you know, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. Is there a second chance for somebody that denies Jesus? Go back to Mark 16, 7. Tell the disciples and Peter. Let me paraphrase that. The messenger said, don't stay here, but go tell the disciples. Then a pause and a smile across the messenger's face. He's just giddy. 
and Peter that Jesus will go before you and meet you in Galilee. What a line. It's as if all of heaven had watched Peter fall, and now all of heaven is cheering for Peter to get back up, and they're available to help him get back up. No wonder they call it the good news, the gospel of a second chance. Not many second chances exist in our world. But this story says that you can have a second chance, just like Peter You know, Peter was so excited when he finally did see Jesus. He and the disciples were in a boat fishing on the Sea of Galilee, and they, from a distance, saw Jesus on the shore. And Peter got so excited. He felt such love for and welcome and acceptance from Jesus. And maybe he felt sorry and repentant over his own actions. But he wasn't afraid of Jesus to walk toward him. He wasn't scared that Jesus was going to judge him. He was so excited to see Jesus that the record is that he jumped out of the boat naked. Didn't even take time. I guess they fished naked. I don't even know what that all means. (laughs) It's quite a boat. And swam in the icy cold waters to see Jesus. Tradition says that Peter died by crucifixion upside down. We have no way of knowing if that's true or not. But let's pretend that it is. What would cause a backwood Galilean to take the gospel of a second chance all the way to Rome where he would be killed? It's because he was a recipient of a second chance. And he would do anything for a person like that. He would give him a second chance. Because it's not every day that you will find somebody who will give you a second chance, much less someone who will give you a second chance every day. But Peter found that, and so can I, and so can you. The funeral home gave me a second chance. They called, said there's another funeral that they want me to do, a young man, 37 years of age, whose death was suspicious, So I said I would be so honored to do that service. That service was yesterday, and I showed up two hours early. (laughs) I'm thankful for a second chance. Years ago, Denise and I used to watch the show New Girl with Joey. I can't ever pronounce her last name. But the character of the show is Jessica Day, and she says, actually, I am, I'm a bit of a sucker for second chances. They're my first favorite kind of chance. Gosh, there's not one person in here who doesn't need a second chance. And there's not one person in here who is not given a second chance by Jesus. Jesus. 